Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for this week's episode with the one and only Brendan Kane. Brendan is one of the top minds as it relates to growing a resonant audience in the digital space. He's worked with some of the top uh, figures in the world, including Taylor Swift, Katie Couric, a variety of other uh, incredible organizations and uh, influencers, celebrities, to grow their following into the multiple millions. After doing that, he decided to prove that these concepts and principles and tactics could be used by anyone. And so he took his own social following from next to zero to over a million followers in 30 days. And I met Brendan at a dear friend, Craig Kremen's house and said, you know, I, I'm fascinated by what you're up to. So many people are, you know, interested in building an engaged audience to have their message go out into the world. And there's so few people that have authority to talk about this subject. I'd love to have you on the show. So thankfully, Brendan came on. He's become a friend. Uh, I envisage having him on again to delve deeper into the principles he brings uh, to bear in this episode, but it's chuck full of value. Uh, he wrote a book, which I highly recommend that we reference in the episode, uh, basically talking about how he went from zero to a million in 30 days and how you can apply those same principles to grow your own uh, digital audience. So. With that, I'd like to quickly shout out two of the sponsors that uh, are making this episode possible. The first is one of my absolute favorite companies. Uh, it's called Lifecycle. They have incredible mushroom tonics that I use on a daily basis. Adaptogenic mushrooms have a variety of benefits for your overall health and well-being. I use, for example, the lion's mane on a daily basis to help uh, with its cognitive enhancing properties. Uh, it's been used for millennia, uh, well established in Chinese medicine and now having a bit of a resurgence in the West. They have a biohacker pack, which uh, has a profound uh, amount of benefit that I've been using now every day and feel incredible. Um, I detail the benefits of each of the mushrooms in an episode I did, uh, a mind key, with the founder, Julian, who I just uh, fortunately had over to my place. He's in from Australia, and I just totally aligned with the company and what they're putting out in the world. So check them out. It's Lifecycle, L-I-F-E-C-Y-K-E-L.com. They have a bunch of the research. Um, you can also listen to the Mind Key episode to delve deeply into it. But if you put in Lifecycle, Dot com and then peak mind 20 you get 20% off your order and I highly recommend their products this episode is also brought to you by juve juve is my go-to red light therapy device I use it every morning when I meditate red light has profound benefits on your overall health and wellness I uh, detail the benefits with Scott Nelson the founder in a mind key episode the benefits are myriad, everything from skin and, you know, and, and collagen to hormonal health in terms of testosterone, progesterone. Um, you can really uh, delve deep into the research on juve, J-O-O-V-V.com. And if you're interested in purchasing one of their devices, I have their Solo, which is the device I use with my meditation. You can go to juve, it's J-O-O-V-V. -O -O -V -V 
facebook.com backslash peak mind and you get a nice discount on your order. So again, highly recommend checking out Juve. Uh, even if it's just to research, I think it's profound to see the benefits of red light and I highly recommend you pick up one of the devices. And with that, and without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce the one and only Brendan Kane. All right, I'm here with Brendan Kane. Brendan, it's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So for context, Brendan, I've been uh, seeing pop up on my feed in a variety of uh, platforms, and then we had the opportunity to connect at our mutual friend Craig Clements, uh, Rising Glenn, and I saw you speak, and I was really... Um, impressed by how you went about creating this exponential social following in such a short amount of time. But also, I think when we had the, I probably chatted for like an hour after that talk, um, just, just really inspired by the way that your brain works as it relates to, I feel like there's a lot of people that are super confused about social and you just have a very analytical, very rational approach to uh, the, 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 the engine slash monster for some people that is social media. So uh, I'm really grateful that you are here and can share some of your insights with the audience. Great, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so for context, um, let's go into a little bit of like your your sort of, I know we spoke a little bit about your why and your why being sort of your love for teaching, but how did you come to this place of wanting to build, you know, a million followers in 30 days? So I think it first starts off how I got into the digital world because I've been in it for quite some time and it initially started when I was going to film school because I initially wanted to produce movies mm. and I went to film school, got there and quickly realized they don't teach you anything about business there and I figured the best way to learn about business and also what I've realized about myself is I'm a very experiential learner. Like I need to do things. I can't read about things. I can't talk about things. I have to actually experience it for myself to really understand how it works. So when I went to college, I created a few internet companies to really learn and experiment of what it would take to build a business because it was the most cost efficient way at the time and it still holds true today. And then when I moved out to LA to pursue a career in 2005, it's when the entertainment industry started to reawaken to digital after the dot-com bust. Mm. So there was a lot of high profile producers, directors, actors, screenwriters asking questions, how do we use this new medium to effectively promote our movies and our brands? and as we'll talk about later around like hook points and value proposition, I'm always thinking about what is the way that you can stand out? How can you pr provide unique value to people so that you can uh, forge connections, get jobs, or whatever it is you're trying to achieve? So I just saw that opportunity and I just started offering my, my experiences in creating those internet companies to film campaigns to directors and producers and actors. And... So I did that for about three years. I worked for two studios overseeing the theatrical campaigns ranging from like $1,500 million budget films. And then just realized I wasn't really cut out for the corporate culture and the studio system. I was really wanting to explore the world of being an entrepreneur because I just felt like that that was the direction I should go. So I left working in the studio system and I started building technology platforms on my own and licensing them back to big media companies. So I built technology platforms in license them to like a Yahoo, a Vice, Viacom, MTV. And then from there, especially the MTV and Viacom partnerships opened up the doors to, to work with some really big celebrities. So one such celebrity was Taylor Swift. I got introduced to her and her team, built platforms for, for them for about two and a half years. And that experience really 
opened my eyes about how you really cultivate and foster an audience at scale. Uh, because when I was developing the technology for Taylor, she was just on the cusp. Like she wasn't like a huge superstar, but she was gaining traction. So I got to really see that mentality and and really develop what it takes to, to build a global audience at scale. And then from there, I started to really understand what it takes from an individual artist and celebrity standpoint, but I wanted to understand how did it work for brands and corporations? How do they reach scale? Because the interesting thing about my background is starting off in the film industry, it's like, it's one of the only industries and it really doesn't make any sense that you're tasked with building a brand, unless you're talking about like a franchise, you're tasked with building a brand in like less than three months and you're, and th this brand has to scale. Like you can't go into a meeting and say, let's talk about 10,000 people or 100,000 people, you get fired. It's like, how do we reach 50 million people in a matter of weeks? Mm. So that's kind of, and that's really in the corporate world too, is like you work with like a Pepsi, a Coke, a, a Nike, or any of these big companies or an MTV, like you're talking about huge numbers and those huge numbers have to happen in a very short period of time. Uh, so what I saw that was happening that they were having success was leveraging paid advertising, which makes sense. They do television, they do print, they do billboards, and then the next big medium was social advertising. So with that, I, I joined uh, a young startup, helped them build one of the largest social paid optimization firms in the world where we were optimizing social campaigns on the Facebook advertising platform, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. And that was a really eye-opening experience for me because we would see these huge corporations come to us with a piece of content that they invested all this money, sometimes hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on. Right. And now they want they say, okay, we want to spend another million dollars targeting a specific audience. Let's say it's, oh, it's females, 35 to 50 years old, that's interested in fashion. And when you ask, well, how do you know this piece of creative is going to resonate with this audience to the tune of risking all this money? Nine times out of 10, they didn't have the answer. They were just guessing. And sure, sometimes I guess right, but a lot of times they were guessing wrong. And sure, a huge corporation can make those risky bets and fail a few times, but it's not a long-term strategy. And it's also not a strategy for people that don't have those huge budgets. So I, I just keep, kept seeing this over and over and over again, and I felt like there's gotta be a better way to go about this, or a better way to do it. And so I, le started, I left working on that company and then I started building my own set of testing methodologies on top of Facebook and Instagram to be able to test content at scale and really be under understand like what content themes, format structures work for intended audiences to perform intended actions uh, so that you don't have to spend a tremendous amount of money in a specific direction until you know it's going to work. And started with that, working with brands and corporations again and was seeing success, generating more engagement around their content, getting more reach and awareness around it. But then it's even an idea in my head, it's like, well, can this be used for social followers? It can be used for social followers at scale because again, my brain is trained to go larger. So I started working with some professional athletes, journalists and, and celebrities again, testing this about uh, could these testing at scale and really understanding the content formats, themes and structures help to, to generate global followers um, at a scale that matches what the expectations are for the clients that I was working with. And I was seeing success with that again. And it was fascinating because I was seeing data come in from different parts of the world of understanding how to get somebody to click that follow button. And then it seeded another idea in my head. It was like, okay, it's great. I've done this for huge celebrities, professional athletes, corporations. 
But one of the questions that I was constantly get asked is like, okay, it's great you could do this for an MTV or a huge celebrity, but what about people starting from scratch? Can it work? And again, going back to being an experiential learner, it's like, well, the only way I'm going to know is if I go and try it. Mm -hmm. And when thinking about who would be the perfect person to run the experiment on, I thought, why not myself? Because I'm not a professional athlete, never been on television or film, not a rock star musician, have no chance of being, I won't even sing karaoke. <laughs> uh, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set out and run this experiment. And that's what led me to generating a million followers in 100 countries in 30 days uh, for that, that first experiment. And I've done it several times. Uh, initially on Facebook, I did it as quick as 14 days for a non-for-profit and then spent a great deal of time doing it, figuring out for Instagram. And Instagram just hit a million followers on that. We got it up to generating upwards of 200,000 followers in a single month. I think we could push it up a little bit further than that. But that's kind of like the, the whole backstory of how it got to this point of, of generating this, this case study. So first of all, thank you for the context. Uh, amazing. And I want to sort of, there was a few things that you mentioned that I'd love to delve a little bit deeper into. One is I, I love that you've talked about leading with value. Um, cause I think a lot of people, um, are oriented, whether it be in actual relationships or in their digital relationships and they, the way they put themselves out there towards themselves, as opposed to really having it be constructed inherently about the value for the other person and, and being a, a give rather than a take. So I love that you, you started with there that, and I, you mentioned that I know you work with Ryan and a variety of other people. It's interesting. Right before you're coming here, I was actually on Dwayne Johnson's uh, Instagram, and he's a fascinating case study to me. I know he's an outlier, so it may not necessarily be relevant for for you know someone who's you know listening. That's that's like okay, I'm not going to you know be Dwayne Johnson. But what I thought was interesting that anyone could apply is he did this piece of content about a girl who uh, was not able to smile. And she wrote in a letter and was like, You're, I'm a huge fan and uh, you know, my gift is to smile. What, what I loved is he showed her picture and then he read on his Instagram profile this letter, right? Highly emotive to me, I mean, and, and I imagine to many who were watching. And I know when you had talked about Taylor Swift, you had said one of the things she did was engaging these fans one-on-one. -on -one. And when you think about these celebrities, I mean, Dwayne Johnson's got only 150 million followers. He's making content literally about that one person. Why? Why? In 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 your in all the work you've done with these different public figures, and, and obviously in the experiments you've done to elevate your own sort of social profile, why do people take that strategy, and how does it work? So let's take Taylor Swift for example, because what made her so effective and so brilliant is that she understood that value and that power of fostering one-to-one -one communication with fans. And, and people don't realize in the beginning, she didn't have a huge record label behind her. She didn't have millions of dollars of, of marketing. Like she mm. built her fan base on her own. Like yes, later on, uh, managers and agents and record labels helped put fuel on the fire, but it was really her. Like she, she engineered that. And what she realized is that with each comment that she responded to, with each autograph she signed, with each photograph she took with a fan, not only did it turn that fan into somebody that was now going to buy her products, her, her concert tickets, her music, whatever it may be, it was turning that fan into a brand advocate. Mm. Somebody that was not willing to share her message with the world and with everybody they knew. And because this was happening at a time where social profiles were becoming an intricate part of everyday teenager life, it's not where it was they were just throwing, sharing with three to four of their closest friends, which would be the case like 15 years ago. 
Now they could post on their social profiles, reaching hundreds, thousands, or in some cases tens of thousands with each post. So what she was essentially doing, she was building an army of brand advocates with each one having their own uh, distribution outlet to share her message with the world. And that's where she started to grow exponentially. And then from there, like just to give you an example, she, for one of her album releases, she did, uh, her lucky number is 13, she loves the number 13. So she said she was gonna do a 13 hour autograph signing session. And there was a, a line of like 3000 people at this stadium. She ended up staying for like 17 or 18 hours and just like signing autographs, taking photos with fans and everything. But that, like, A, it's authentic to who she is. She wasn't, like, trying to manipulate people. But that's where her initial kind of growth came from. Now, she eventually reached a standpoint where she couldn't respond to everything because the, the stardom was just too big at that point. There's too much influx. But to what you say about the, the, the Rock, in that example, she still would go show up at, at key fans' weddings or baby showers or have listening parties with fans at her house and that was captured into content, and that content would go viral. Mm -hmm. And what does that show you? And same with The Rock, it shows that they care. Yeah. They care about their fans, that there's that, that intimate connection. On top of it, it's an emotional story, it's an emotional part. Like there was, my friends uh, run a, a creative agency here that produces viral videos for big brands, and they did one with John Cena, called John Cena Reacts. And the first video was um, fans showing up at a place talking about how much they love John Cena and then he would like break through the back and surprise fans. And that generated a few hundred million views. The second video was actually the reverse. They told John that they were gonna do the same thing, but what he didn't realize is they were fans coming in and reading him emotional letters on how they had impacted his life and it brought John to tears. Wow. So it's just this emotional connection with fans just shows that you care, there's an authenticity there, and it's highly shareable. So a couple of things to sort of distill down. So authentic, right? So not being, I mean, we are, we, we're going into sort of strategy and I love that you're so analytical about strategy, but I think the come from the initial why being authenticity and, and two, actually caring, like authentically caring, being sort of core tenants in, in, in one's approach. I think the other piece, which, um, which goes more to the scaling aspect is, and I, you know, and I know you talked about this in your talk at Craig's where you mentioned you created a platform where literally anyone could create their own Taylor Swift fan page. And then it wound up, I can't remember, you can actually tell me, but how many of those fan sites were created? So basically this very simple form of tech where people could own it themselves and personalize it. But it was also in, in the ilk, if you will, of Taylor's uh, site herself. And, and so there was their way of sort of showing support for her. And these thousands of sites um, being developed. And I remember when we started Global Citizen, the vision was really, if you're going to build a movement, it's, it's about creating ostensibly advocates and then, and then those advocates growing to become ambassadors yeah. and, and creating a decentralization where those ambassadors, you know, any large movement, it's not, there's not this just central aspect. It's like it be, these ambassadors start to create their own ecosystems. And it sounds like that's what you did when you, when you, when you talked about like, uh, constructing a way in which people could ostensibly become ambassadors. Um, how do you? How did you? Go, how can people sort of think about that, or how do you think about that as you move from? You know, it's one thing when it's a celebrity, right? And and obviously there's a whole fan base, 
but applying those same principles of say authenticity and uh, you know and this notion of like I want to start sharing out from a place that is authentic but but and emotive how can you start to create if you will sort of allies that and advocates that that potentially become ambassadors I mean is it about just emotional content like what are the sort of content pillars involved in that well, I think where people go wrong most of the time is when they're designing content or creating a campaign or whatever it may be, they're just thinking about it from their perspective. Oh, I want to sell a product. I want them to sign a petition. I want them to register their email. I want them to share this piece of content versus looking at it from the lens of the person on the other side of the table. Like, what is it that they want? Like, where am I providing value? Am I providing value through a fun experience, making them laugh, making them cry? making them feel good about themselves, whatever that may be, that's where it uh, typically breaks down. And again, with like the Taylor Swift example, when we were tasked with relaunching her, her fan initiative called Taylor Nation, we were doing due diligence and research and we saw that there was about 30 fans that took the, the time to read and write code so they can build a Taylor Swift official fan site. And we just thought, well, what if we could give that power to everybody? Because not everybody's going to take the time to read and write code. Not everybody can learn how to read and write code. And that's where we built a system that literally with a click of a button, we could turn your Facebook profile automatically for you in less than 60 seconds into a custom Taylor Swift fan site. And we did that by when you click that button, you gave us permission to extract your name and your photos. And we would extract it through the API and put it into one of 15 different designs that you would choose from. And then you could customize every single element of it because it was built on the same platform that we had built Taylor's official site on. And... The key takeaway from that for me is we made it fun, super easy. We made them feel like they are a part of this experience using the same platform as Taylor Swift. We were making them a part of the team, making mm. them a part of this process. And that's uh, what I really implore people to do is just think about like, how is it gonna make it A, super easy for them to do, make it fun or exciting or tie into some emotional aspect of it so that you want people to participate. People want to participate, they want to share, they want to create an official site, they, they want to do something because it's inside of them it's telling them I want to do this, not you telling them I want to do something. Yes. And I think that that's the big delineation with being successful in this medium because the fact of the matter is there's over 60 billion messages sent on digital platforms each day. Like it's, the amount of noise is insane. Like you've got to find a way to stand out and to engage people to share your message for you. Otherwise, like sure, you're a big corporation, you have huge budgets, but even in that case, you can't pay for every impression. You can't pay for every click, you can't pay for every conversion because it's, it's oftentimes not profitable. I'm not gonna say it's never profitable. It can be, but for a majority of people that are just starting out, that are not celebrities, they have to find a unique way to, to really get their audience to do the heavy lifting for them. Yeah, you, you hit on a, a core point there. So it, it ostensibly it breaks down. So you've all, you've got to create this emotional resonance, right? And you mentioned you met, you've mentioned emotion a few times, and so people also feel that ownership and, and want to make it their own, if you will. Yeah. And you did that actually with digital uh, in terms of what you created with Taylor Swift. But I think there's a core tenant there, which which is you know if if you're gonna make it's got to ostensibly be shareable. Like I mean, that's obviously the key to to virality, but. If, if something's not shareable, then it's never going to grow, given the, the, as you said, the sort of noise out there, it's never going to get the signal necessary to really break through the pack. So what are the other, I love, I love that. 
And I know that you've kind of created a system that combines, if you will, paid and organic sharing in a really dynamic way that I think is is the cutting edge. I mean, to me, you're one of the uh, leaders, absolutely leaders in this space. Um, what are some of the other tenants, if you will, in creating signal amidst the noise? Well, what are the big areas that we focus on too and is one of my passions is psychology and mm. human behavior. I think to be a great marketer, to be very successful in today's world, you need to understand why people do things and understand how to effectively communicate to them. So we layer in different aspects of, of psychology uh, and understanding how to get people to take intended actions and how to make sure we're crafting a message that connects with them. Uh, so for example, we use something called process communication model to really identify the different ways people perceive the world and make sure that our communication connects with each of the different ways that people perceive the world. Because what happens is, again, when people are designing content, they're designing it from how they perceive the world. But there's five, five different other ways that people perceive it. So if you're just speaking from your perception lens, like you could be alienating 80% of the population. And you see a lot happening in movies, commercials, uh, things that just fall flat is, is they don't realize how to diversify it versus companies that do do it. Like Pixar actually uses the process communication model. It's one of the most successful startups of all time because you go into a Pixar movie and they have a character that's designed for each way that people perceive the world. Wow. So you're connecting on that level. And there you have it. My episode with uh, Brendan is going to be continued because... Uh, we had a certain amount of time, but I want to delve more deeply into that process of communication models. So stay tuned for more from Brendan, but highly recommend you check out his book, One Million Followers, and also um, follow him uh, at Brendan Kane on social media, as well as uh, let us know what you thought of the episode. You can tag us at, at Michael Trainer and at Brendan Kane. Please go ahead and leave a rating and review if you found value in the episode. Uh, as you know, um, your ratings and reviews mean the world to me, and they also help us move up in the algorithm to help grow this community and get this content out there. Uh, share it with a friend if you think they would find it of value. And my entire intention is to provide as much valuable to you as possible. So thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. And please go out there and live your inspired life.